Welcome to the Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zarrell. With me, as always, is professional film critic, Sean Patrick. Visit us at IHateCritics.net, Everyone'sACriticPodcast.com, or on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our handle is CriticsPod. Uh, listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Alexa, all your podcatchers. Uh, on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star review, uh, and we'll read it on the air, and we'll give you a DVD of some sort. Uh, if you want to help support the podcast, patreon.com slash critics pod is the best way to help support us. And then there's our T public page. If you go to IHateCritics.net, click on the T public link. Uh, and that will send you to our link. You can get some of our merch. We're also live on YouTube Monday evenings between 6 and 9 central time p.m. Uh, so yeah, if you want to watch this live, subscribe on YouTube, click on the little bell wherever that's at. And uh we can start our show. Let's get the pictures up here. And anything you want to go before we start our movies or are we just going to jump right in? Just wanted to mention the box office cuz it's relevant to this to this particular film that we're going to start with. Uh did you check out the box office this week? Uh, no, I know this movie bombed, but that's all I know. <laughs> yeah, it did. Uh, $40 million budget, but that's not counting marketing for this film, which was pretty heavily, which was pretty heavy in a $7 million opening for Ambulance. And, uh, the theory goes that, uh, according to the Hollywood reporter, that Netflix has killed the mid budget action movie because of what they do with their direct uh, streaming they've been making movies like you know we talked about triple threat last year with ben affleck and uh ryan reynolds did one for them uh that was direct to streaming last year uh and and they say that those mid-budget action movies killed this one uh along with the pandemic which the pandemic i don't buy uh people are going to the movies people went to see sonic 71 million dollars for the hedgehog over the weekend uh people went to see you know lost city they went to see even morbius despite the bad reviews no, everybody could just smell this movie coming. <laughs> That's the reality of it is that you could just smell how bad this, how bad and terrible this movie is. Yeah, but you also, I mean, the movies you mentioned, although maybe not Lost City, I suppose that kills my argument. But for the most part, they're uh, an existing IP. <laughs> so uh, that does help out no matter how bad the movie is. That uh, Those seem to do better in theaters, which is a shame. But... Uh, I was there last night, and Sonic was it was still packed on a Sunday school night at six o'clock, seven o'clock. So, yeah, that's I didn't even know this came out until today. If I'm being honest with you, when I was putting this, the show notes together, that, that's when I was like, "Oh yeah, was, oh Jake Gyllenhaal's in a movie, Michael Bay. What the? <laughs> he was on Saturday Night Live too." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that didn't work. <laughs> no, they're too busy at home watching SNL. It should have been on a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, we get started here. Of course, I just wanted to mention the box office because we talked about it a lot, and then we all go, well, "What did well?" And then we never know. Uh, <laughs> so, the, so that's fun. And I really was enjoying watching this movie fail because I hated it so much. Uh, Ambulance stars uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal as adopted brothers. They uh, grew up together and one of them became a soldier and the other one became a criminal. But then the soldier has got a wife who's sick and needs an experimental surgery and the government won't even talk to him, Bob. The government who has his insurance won't even help him, Bob. They won't talk to him. And he's a soldier. He nearly gave his life for this country, Bob. They won't even talk to him. Sorry. Sorry. Just layering in the cliche as best I can. He shows up at his brother's house. He's not supposed to talk to him because his wife. And wouldn't you know it, just luck would have it. Uh, he, he happens to be planning a bank robbery, an extensively large bank robbery, taking an incredible amount of timing and precision and a well-honed team. And he decides to invite his adopted brother to be part of that team. The day of the heist. Because that's a great idea. Let's bring in a guy nobody's ever met before to be part who doesn't know the plan to be part of our massive heist the day of. Great, great thinking here. Uh, 
We're off to they're, a really... not, they're not experienced heisters either. <laughs> no, no, he, he's a soldier, but I mean, is that, right. that doesn't make him experienced in bank robbery. <laughs> he doesn't become a bank robbery expert. Uh, and he doesn't even know what the plan is, <laughs> which somebody tries to point out. But that guy's maybe a, an informant for the for the uh, cops. We don't know. There, there's a whole subplot that they imply that one of the guys in the crew is who, who doesn't even get a name. They call him Mel Gibson because the guy just doesn't because because uh, Jack Gyllenhaal doesn't like him. So he calls him Mel Gibson. I don't know. I don't know what that means. I mean, I know it's insulting because Mel Gibson is kind of an insult. It's a pretty good insult, I guess. But why he could call him Mel Gibson context wise doesn't make any sense well and that's even anyway if they're now they're inexperienced they've never done this before <laughs> they just happen to have a mole inside the <laughs> their crew that's well maybe because the movie is so clumsily put together that we never actually know for sure somebody tipped off the cops the cops are there waiting for them but then of course they is just this movie is total chaos so he has these cops who know that this is coming and they're on the lookout for guys who are going to rob the place because they may or may not have somebody. It's so cha- convoluted and chaotic. We have no idea whether or not that's actually the plot. But then they have to throw in another motivation for this for this whole fuck up. So they decide to have this cop who wants to talk to a bank teller. Uh, he wants to ask her out on a date. So he arrives at the bank after they've all arrived and begun their robbery, which we didn't even see. They just they, we we get there in progress because we we're sitting with the cops having this bland, boring conversation between these two cops. We don't even know uh, neither of whom we even recognize as actors. Uh, they having a boring conversation about how one of them wants to ask this girl out who works at the bank. Uh, and uh, he's they're having this conversation while the heist is happening. So he goes to the bank. The door is locked. He knocks. Gyllenhaal comes over pretending to be a bank manager and tries to send him away, but he's insistent about coming in. And then, of course, he becomes a hostage because they don't have a choice because they fuck up. And that precipitates the entire rest of the fuck up that goes on here. But why do you need two inciting incidents here of how this thing gets fucked up? Because you've got maybe the guy who might be a mole and you've got now this as the other fuck up, bringing all these fuck ups together in this heist on top of just the overall illogical fuck up. It goes on, and none of this is even the plot, Bob. None of this is even the fucking plot of the movie. Because <laughs> the bank, the whole plot of the movie is the fucking ambulance thing. Once they get the money out, they take an ambulance hostage with Eliza Garcia uh, Gonzalez in in there, and, uh, and she's got the cop that they took hostage that Mateen had to shoot uh, to get him off of Jake uh, earlier in a brief scene. So she's got the cop dying. Bloating out in the back, they take her ambulance hostage and they go on the run. And immediately they know, immediately the cops just know that this ambulance is what they've taken. And they're meanwhile, all the dialogue is Jake Gyllenhaal plotting to get them out of this. When everybody knows who they are, Bob, and that they're in an ambulance and they're chasing them, they can see them. <laughs> of all the vehicles to hijack (laughs) it's not a bad idea actually it really i mean when you think about it because taking an ambulance and driving really really fast in the direction toward a hospital at least if they didn't know who these guys were they might just assume that an ambulance is taking the shot cop to a hospital that's logical but they immediately blow that logic out of the water by immediately identifying them putting them in a gunfight and, a, and an explosion you have Mateen driving in this ridiculous way that is very obvious that he's trying to hide from cops in a fucking ambulance <laughs> driving down fucking back roads and shit not in the direction of a hospital so you got fucking what maybe 10 minutes before they find out even if it is logical and you're going the right direction at some right. point they're going to know hey this is a hijacked ambulance <laughs> So they're they're gonna be able to identify the vehicle. They got they got trackers and all these things, so they know when something's. I don't know. That's just and all the time, Gyllenhaal just keep going on about. I'm gonna get you home, brother. I'm gonna get us out of this, brother. How? How would did, you get out of this? You, they know who you are. They know you have the money. They know you've taken hostages. Did you watch his SNL monologue? No. You should. <laughs> What's that? He refers to how <laughs> kind of a I don't want to say said he was a dick, but how he was how he was so 
he took acting so seriously and he was very method and he just thought that's the only way you could do it and uh people didn't like him that much and now he's decided he's gonna just have fun from now on. <laughs> oh boy <laughs> jake go back go back man <laughs> <laughs> if this is what you're doing when you're having fun, go back, man. And maybe he mentioned this. I don't remember hearing it in the monologue when I watched it. Uh, uh-huh. But I, like I said, when I was pulling the show together today, I was like, oh, yeah, that name sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> this movie sucks. It sucks hard. It's completely uh, moronic. Um <laughs> They do kind of get away, which is fucking what? Michael Bay, I guess. (laughs) Makes no sense. No sense. Total nonsense. It's his worst, uh, in terms of box office, the worst one he's ever had, right? Or opening weekend-wise, at least. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And good riddance to bad rubbish. All right. Was Sonic 2 as good as Sonic 1? Better. I would say this is better. Nice. This is a good. This is a good movie. No joke. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog two is a follow up to Sonic from a couple of years ago, and I went in just miserable with the idea of this movie because I read that it was over two hours long, and I thought to myself, why would the why the fuck would you make a Sonic movie that is more than ninety to ninety five minutes? The, the the target audience for this movie is not a group of young people who have a great attention span. You know what I mean? This is not <laughs> two hours is, is a big ask. Um, but that said, uh, the guy who directed this, Jeff Fowler seems to really love the Sonic character and this idea of a Sonic movie universe. And his love for it really comes through in the end. Uh, he creates this very fun universe. He creates these incredibly fun characters. He's got Jim Carrey to a point where Jim Carrey seems to actually enjoy what he's doing again uh, to the point where Jim Carrey delivers what is arguably the best performance of his career since the nineties. I kid you not. He's having that much fun and that, and that much fun from Jim Carrey is coming through the screen in, in that level of charisma and star power. It's, it's phenomenal. Uh, ben McKenzie is the voice of Sonic is how ha- it has a lot of fun. The uh, Idris Elba is knuckles and uh, tails. Uh, are both you know just characters that are just really fun additions to this universe, and everybody, even James Marsden and and uh, uh, Ta- uh, Tamara Sumpter, uh, I think I can't. I'm sorry, I'm missing up her first name. Uh, they they each both don't take up too much screen time, but the screen time they do take up is vital to the story that they're telling. So, and they each get a big moment in the movie that that uh, is theirs, and they get to be funny too. And uh, it's just a smart, well put together family blockbuster i can't say anything better than that about it yeah i didn't watch it but the sonic one i liked a lot and i remember we talked good about it on the show so that's cool to hear they did it right yeah um that's all you can really ask for that's really yeah just don't make me miserable and this movie definitely did that and i saw this before ambulance so i didn't have like it wasn't a lowered expectation or wasn't just a it was lowered expectations the sub basement expectations but uh i i didn't i didn't use this to recover from ambulance so not, i'm not recovered from ambulance all right let's move on to netflix's metal lord did you get a chance to see this or not watch it this afternoon do you like it or not this movie is very funny it's a yeah. very funny movie and you know what it taught me more than anything is why you love this genre so much. Uh, this genre of music, I mean, yeah. uh, because this—it's just this about this very, very earnest, very uh, openly uh, emotional love of something that uh, that you share with other people, uh, and that's really what the the moral of the story is: is a group of people unabashedly enjoying something. Uh, eventually, uh, this movie is very clever about how it builds its uh, story because you don't really, they actually create a little bit of suspense about the final show on the big battle of the bands. There's a lot of suspense involved in whether or not that will happen the way you think it would happen in any other movie. And that's pretty impressive. Uh, this is directed by Peter Sellette, who has done a lot of television, uh, before this his only movie, I think was Nick and Nora's infinite playlist. Uh, he's assembled a, a really wonderful cast with uh, Jaden Martell, 
uh, doing tremendous work as the uh, the drummer. Uh, he's, uh, I, I love watching him just sort of come alive. Uh, the, the, the story beats that they give him are so smartly chosen from him uh, getting drunk at a party and it not going again any way that you expect from previous movies of this type. Teen movies seem to have a, a way for this type of thing to go, and it didn't quite go that way. And I really I really kind of enjoyed that. I enjoyed uh, the way the misdirection on the romantic element for him in the movie because I didn't expect where that was going. And consistently, this movie just keeps surprising you and uh, delivering Really wonderful moments. Uh, I, I I really enjoyed this movie a lot. Um, I I went in kind of having big expectations for it based off of stuff that you said about it, and uh, it, it it met those expectations for the most part. I got a shout out to uh, Adrian Greensmith as Hunter. I've never seen him before, as far as I know, and he, he cuts a character that is very is very dark in many ways, and they go to very dark places with him at, some, at certain points. I really enjoyed the the choices and the chances they took with him. Uh, Isis Hainsworth as uh, the bassist. Uh, <laughs> She's fucking hilarious. The introduction for her is so great. Yeah. She's got she's got rage issues, and uh, she's in the, the marching band, and she really doesn't want to be. <laughs> it's a great it's a great introduction to a character. Yeah, what I liked most about it is a movie like this should have all the cliches, and they do a good job avoiding like all of them. Uh, they play around with them, but they do something original every time they get to a cliche. Uh, and I just found, and it and it's largely positive, but at the same time, it's rated R. There's nudity. There's, uh, you know, they even use you know the word gay in a derogatory tone. But they get back to the point where they it makes sense and they correct it and they use uh they don't use the R word but a version of it and they correct that. You know, they do it all in an edgy way, but also without being offensive. I think they do a great job of just getting all those points across without uh, being too cheesy. I don't know. I just, I, I, I like the way it all worked out. And my absolute favorite scene was his dilemma when he's in the hot tub. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> those cameos were pretty fantastic. Yeah. You had, you had the entire metal community involved in this movie from Tom Morello from Raging Against the Machine writing the song that they play at the end. <laughs> Uh, you have cameos from Scotty and from Anthrax, Kirk Hammett from Metallica, Tom Morello, and uh, as well as uh, Rob Halford from Judas Priest. Uh, you have all you have music from all the bands, like all the bands: Metallica, Slayer, Black Sabbath, all of them. Just any metal band. Maybe they don't play Slayer, but they talk about them a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can't do a movie like this without that. And then on top of that, the most important thing that every movie gets wrong, even a movie like Whiplash gets wrong, is the actors know they look like they know that they're playing. You know, almost mm. famous even gets that wrong. This movie mm. gets that like so. Per- these these kids are really playing. Uh, at least it looks like they are. And mm. I, I appreciate that a ton. About I, I more I think it's watchable. Uh, and. And just like I showed my son it, even though it's rated R, because it's it's not offensive enough that I don't mean he doesn't really want to see the sex stuff now anyway, because he's so young. Uh, so he turns his head automatically on his own. Mm-hmm. But it was it was just so fun for me because it was just a movie made for me. Uh, I put it in the category of School of Rock. I like it better than School of Rock, but mm. uh, it's still the same type of movie. Just a fun little. Uh, feel good metal movie. <laughs> I actually watched it twice this weekend. Nice, yeah. <laughs> it is that. It is that level of watchable uh, that you would watch it more than once. It, it, it's inviting in that way, and it's the smart, just the really, really smart, funny choices th- throughout this entire movie. the The ending was great. <laughs> I love the the little touch about the the special needs kid was just a uh, that that the I mean you can't ask for a better comic beat than what happens to our main character, uh, and then the little cut to the special needs kid just giving him the devil horns. Right, that's just the timing was so precise and so perfect. Well, and I really love, and I know it's, and I think it's better nowadays but i love just the positivity positivity between bands at first you know 
he's wanting to, oh, they suck. They're not metal. They're, you know, this and that. At the end, they're just, they're good guys, you know? And uh, I, I just, I, I don't know. I liked it a lot. And uh, I can't recommend it enough, especially if you're into metal or at least hard rock. I mean, even if you d- dabble into Metallica, it's about as far as you go, I think you'll find a way to enjoy this movie. Mm. The performance of War Pigs is fantastic. <sighs> that was so good. It really was. Uh, that was a great little montage, whatever you want to call it, scene. I don't, not quite a mm. montage, but whatever it was, was really good the way they... You watch him learn how to play it. Uh, mm-hmm. That's another great, great thing. That, now that you mentioned that, there's another great thing. is he, Watching, because at the beginning, he doesn't even know how to play. And how, they show him learning how to play. Uh, by listening, he's kind of he can, obviously he's kind of a kid who can learn by ear, but he's also doing a lot of different things to actually he's got some skill to start with. He's a band member who he's in the marching band. He plays the drum in the marching band is a very different thing than playing drums the way you play in a metal band. But to at least have that skill set and to be able to learn by ear and then to not make it seem like it was like he goes from being the uh, not knowing anything to knowing everything. They, they, that transition is is very smartly played out. He puts in the work, and the movie puts in the work uh, for him, and that's uh, that's not something that a lot of movies do. Yeah. Uh, and I was really worried after your review that this is going to be my favorite movie of the weekend. <laughs> so, uh, I did watch this twice before going to see everything, everywhere, and all at once. Everything, everywhere, all at once from the Daniels, uh, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shiner to, uh, of course, uh, been on the show before talking about uh, his movie, The Death of Dick Long, which is a, an amazing film that gets better the more you, the more you think about it. Uh, and this is certainly another one in, in that canon of movies that'll get better every time you think about it. Uh, it tells the story of a woman named Evelyn, played by Michelle Yeoh, uh, who in an alternate universe is a woman who created a way to travel through multiverses uh, through uh, whatever reasoning. The bottom line is she can do it, but there's only one other version of her, this one in the universe that we're watching that can actually do it on her own, travel to all the various multiverses. A multiverse is essentially created by any decision that you make. So you decide to leave the house a little bit early. It creates a whole other universe uh, between, you know, one where you didn't leave early and one that you did. You know, just every decision, uh, especially the bigger decisions, just create a new branch off into a new entire uh, universe of possibilities. And that's what this movie is all about, is the infinite possibilities in the multiverse uh, it kicks off when she's going to get her taxes done uh, and her husband suddenly turns into this man of action beforehand he was a mild-mannered guy who was uh, kind of meek and dopey uh, and suddenly he becomes this man of action and he's telling her what's going on and he's trying to explain what's happening to her in the multiverse and she's like what are you talking about? <laughs> just completely lost uh the way it develops from there is just completely unpredictable consistently surprising and very funny very very funny and also incredibly emotional because at the core of it there is a mother and a daughter and how their decisions have changed who they are and how they've uh, become as part of the who they've become as part of the various different multiverses uh this movie is endlessly brilliant inventive like I said, just extraordinarily funny. It has everything in it. Uh, Michelle Yeoh is amazing in this movie, but uh, Kei Hui Kwan, I believe his name is, uh, who is actually well-known from the 80s. He was in, he was in Goonies. Uh, he was a guy who took stepped away from acting for many years, steps into this role, and is just absolute perfection. You've got uh, Jamie Lee Curtis playing this character who is just completely... Uh, just a complete creation. One of the the best things that Jamie Lee Curtis has ever done in her, her entire career uh, is the the levels that she brings to this character. Um, you've got James Hong, who's one of the great character actors of all time. Uh, it's just infinitely brilliant. The the inventions of this movie, I I just can't get over it. So I I got to call this out because there's this reviewer, this very young man who did a review of this movie that is the worst review of a movie I've ever read in my life. He called this movie predictable. What did you even watch the movie? But he, for some reason, 
<laughs> I know. <laughs> How could you predict what happens in this movie? Oh my god! You didn't. You didn't watch it, son. Son, you didn't watch the movie. Uh, but he also said he's like Ratatouille. Really? There's a parody of Ratatouille in the movie, and it's one of the most perfect parodies in human history. <laughs> It's not a parody. It's an alternate ver- alternate universe version of 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 Ratatouille through the mind of somebody who's probably only kind of vaguely aware of Ratatouille. <laughs> it is one of the most ingenious and completely hilarious ideas ever. But the core of this movie, the heart of this movie, the philosophy of this movie is so so brilliant in that the idea is that there's a way to heal by just being understanding and kind to people and just as as all this infinite chaos is happening as all these universes are crashing into each other if you could just figure out a way to be kind to someone and understand what it is that 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 the multiverse seemingly is a part of them too and they don't even realize it and the path that they wish they'd taken is somewhere in that multiverse and they don't even know it and trying to just find a way to understand that, uh, understand their pain and help them in some way, just a little way, can make a big difference in their life. Uh, and it's not solving the problem. It's just creating and just being understanding in a way that allows them to find their own solution. That's just a lovely idea. This whole movie is just one big, lovely idea from beginning to end. It's my new favorite movie of all time surpassing Midsummer and the big Lebowski, not by a lot. I still love those movies, but this movie just in just means so much to me. I cried so hard at the end of this movie, just for how beautiful and brilliant it is. It's just, it moved me endlessly. I love it so much. Yeah. My wife cried a lot during it too. And it's, uh, I don't know. It's so weird. It's hard to, like all I want to do is talk about it, but it's so hard. To, like I don't even know where to start. And right, and uh, and and I'm, that review through throw has really thrown me off. <laughs> it's like there is some of the silliest shit in this movie. Oh my god, that they made. I mean, it at no point are you rolling your eyes. Like it was just right? like. I want to see if I can get away with this. Let's put this butt plug over there and see if everybody notices it and see if it <laughs> little things like that. Like there's this and, Ugh. and I don't know how much you're into the multiverse. I know you believe in it. Correct. But I don't know if you, I'm, I'm, a, I'm aware of it as a philosophy and as a sort of a scientific construct, like a basis for a uh, basis for experimental thinking at the very right. least. And my wife is into it. Like a flat earther is into flat earth stuff. <laughs> Uh, so she's sitting there going, and like the bagel symbolizes this, and the googly eye, like they all mean something in this stupid mm-hmm. rabbit hole, uh, which I am not into at all. I, not that I'm a, a, a non believer, I don't really care more than anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and quite frankly, you know how it is when I think things are too positive, I, I need a little bit of an edge for the positivity to work. And I was worried that this was going to not have the edge I needed. Boy, was I wrong. Uh, <laughs> this, you know, I don't know. I, I can't. I'm not going to say it's my favorite movie of all time, but it's definitely in the realm of Midsummer. Like, it's up there in that top four of top five for me. Because that experience was very similar to Midsummer. There, it's crazy the number of things in my life going on right now that this movie <laughs> touched on. <laughs> And I'm sure it's probably for everybody else. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it and it's not just as simple as be kind. It's no, they, they do it's, such a great job of layering it. It's nothing matters. There are no rules. But in order for this to work, <laughs> be kind, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, and if you can apply all those things together, because that's what's missing is a lot of people want to apply that there are no rules out there in this world. Uh, but they forget about the kind part, and it's so, uh, it's just so important without being cheesy and lame. Uh, to me, mm-hmm. this is a movie like th- I hate, like Tree of Life, and like uh, what's that one? The Wachowskis, the Cloud Atlas. I think mm-hmm. this is what those should have been. You know, a movie those so that are so artistic like that, but also kind of up their own ass. This isn't. This is just perfect this is having 
they're having so much fun putting all the silliness mm. in this movie while making it make sense and being artistic at the same time. Uh, there's nothing in here to be annoyed at. I just, I'm totally floored by the idea that anything in this is predictable. <laughs> I, I just, I don't even know. You can't have seen the movie and say that. You can't. <laughs> I mean, look at the fucking poster. Somebody, I should put the, this. This will be the cover art for the show. Yeah. There, everything on this poster is in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's just a scene where there's two rocks talking to each other, which is oh, I love both so hilarious and will have you bawling <laughs> at the same time. Uh, you're having both m- emotions, and yeah, I'm not kidding. I could like verbally hear my wife bawling next to me, and I had to go to the bathroom for about an hour, and I would not get up to go. I just sat and fought it the whole time, which is probably why I never <laughs> cried. <laughs> uh, I didn't want to miss anything. Uh, yeah, and. Weirdly enough, similar to the Big Lebowski or and Midsummer, those are the two really cool comparisons. Is those are two movies you can watch over and over again and get something new every time. It Absolutely. feels original every time you're watching it. Uh, it was, you know, immediately I was like, you know, if you were still awake, I'd be like, let's do the podcast at eleven <laughs> o'clock at night. <laughs> we both got to get up early, but I want to talk about this. Uh, it really, I mean, it's it's. It's gotten it's that level of movie where you know you're just splitting hairs at that point. How do you call anything better than this? Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't exist, and that really shocked me because I thought there was no way that I was gonna like it as much as you did. Uh, and and it, it's just I mean Jamie Lee Curtis, the best thing she's ever done, and she's done a lot of great things. Mm-hmm. The guy who played Data, there's like enough nostalgia there that. He kind of does some of the old beats from that, but at the same time, he, I don't know. It's everything about it is, I mean, the hot dog fingers, everything. <laughs> and I'm not even. <sighs> oh, but that that pays off. That is such an emotional. <laughs> I know. <laughs> It's so emotional. The, the hot dog figure universe is <laughs> so emotional. It's so silly, but it's so emotional. Like, how do you pull that off? It's fucking brilliant. Um, <laughs> God damn it. And, I, and the great thing is I can like say that and I'm not spoiling anything. No. You have you have to see it it's to understand why it's so emotional. <laughs> um, the, the, you know, the, again, it's not all, it's not all happy or sad. It's about embracing all aspects. You know, she had to learn to embrace the darker part of what her daughter is looking at. And it had to, instead of dismissing her, her and saying, you should just be happy all the time. Why aren't you happy all the time? Uh, she, she has to learn to embrace that part of her. And that's both of them having to learn to embrace like the daughter having to embrace that Maybe everything isn't terrible. Uh, it's kind of the less her arc is not everything is terrible. <laughs> Mom's arc is not everything is great in many ways. And that's such a that's such a loose but yet kind of brilliant way to to construct a narrative. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, the grass is greener a whole which they never really I guess they kind of play with that because uh, they're dealing with the relationship between the husband and wife as well. That uh, mm-hmm. is so well done. Uh, I mean, starts off the movie, he's going to ask her for a divorce. Mm-hmm. And then you have, in all these different universes, half of them, they're not together. And one of them specifically, she's living an amazing life, but is it better than the life she's living not normal? I mean, there are all these, your head just spins the entire time. It's not confusing. It's easy to follow, but there's a lot mm-hmm. going on and everything on the screen matters, similar to something Ari Aster would do. Uh, more than anything, I'm not to take anything away from the death of Dick Long, but yeah. I didn't. I, I love that movie. It's amazing. So well done. So smart. This seems so much more complicated than that. And it really is quite an achievement. Uh, I don't know. It's how. the sensibilities of the two of them. I think it really the, him and Daniel Kwan's sensibilities coming together. Uh, I think really is, is something, and those two together are quite uh, are quite brilliant. Uh, and you, you know, when you have Dick Long as kind of the baseline for one of them working by themselves, and then you have this as the two of them together, that's kind of just uh, shows that how how indeed uh, brilliant they both are. 
Yeah, I I mean, just the way you have to jump universes by making a weird decision. <laughs> so many great scenes with that. Uh, I just, the whole, I can't, this is one of those you watch all the time, you watch whenever it's on. I mean, yeah. it is Lebowski level, watchable, rewatchable. Uh, it is an Academy Award winning best picture kind of movie that also has the greatest butt plug joke in the history of movies. <laughs> and the best part is when I first saw it, I was like, that really looks like that's funny. <laughs> I didn't think of anything of it. And I we, thought it was just an IRS joke. <laughs> right. <laughs> I kind of did too. And we are spoiling a little bit here by talking about that, but even so, it's not going to be any less funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, yeah. Because you don't know what the joke is yet. <laughs> yeah. Or the extra, there's an extra visual payoff in that scene as well. <laughs> <laughs> you must see this movie. Whoever you are watching this, listening to this, you must see this movie. You have to well, see it. What we haven't even touched on is it's a kung fu oh. movie on top of all of that. Like, it is, you know, oh. as kung fu as kung fu gets. I mean, it's a big part mm-hmm. of this whole movie. Uh, it's part foreign film. Part. I mean, it's got everything. It literally, the title is the perfect name for this movie. It ends halfway through it, and you're like, what the yeah, fuck's going on? Uh, I just... Everybody should go see it. I wish, I wish the theater was more crowded. It, there was people mm-hmm. in it. Don't get me wrong. There was ten or fifteen people, which was pretty good for a movie this size at seven o'clock at night almost, on a Sunday. It almost beat Ambulance on not nearly as many screens. Yeah, that was the other problem. I almost couldn't see this because we had to make my daughter skip a practice, and I'm like, I'm sorry, but we got it. I I need to see this for the podcast. Can we? And I think you you're a big multiverse person. Please, can we just have her skip so we can go to yeah. this? And uh, my God, it's yeah, right up there. It, it's you know one A and one B. This in Midsummer in terms of the best A twenty four movies of all time. I don't know which one I like better. I don't really care. I, I think they're both <laughs> fantastic. And if it comes up on flip flick chart, I'll just let you pick or we'll flip a coin. <laughs> I, it's I can't say enough about it everybody should go see it mm-hmm. right away uh, yeah I'll have to send you the review that that kid wrote it was only like three lines but it was the dumbest review I've ever read and I I, I, I hate saying that I do because he's a colleague of mine like we're both members of the group together but like I've never read how anybody could call this movie predictable. And your only criticism is Ratatouille. Really? Like, like, like suddenly the culture all agreed that Ratatouille was irrelevant. When did we do that? (laughs) Also, how is this irrelevant in any way? It's fucking relevant. It proves to be very fucking relevant in the movie. And it's hilarious the way they play it. Fucking hilarious. I I immediately started thinking of my mom who would totally say something like what the character Michelle Yeoh's character trying to remember what this movie is and mixing up the premise. Like but then there's a reason why she mixed up the premise because she thought of it the way she did. It's just fucking genius. That's a great joke. That's a great joke. Unless you just literally taking out everything in the movie and just starting with the beginning and going to the end. And I, even that is pretty weak. I mean, I, that's just, I mean, like I hate tree of life and I hate cloud mm-hmm. Atlas and these are, and I'm probably not being fair. I'm probably being overly like that's art for the it's weird for the sake of weird or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has all the substance that I think those are lacking or, or, or more. I don't know. And I'm, I'm probably not being fair to those movies, but that's in my opinion. I, I just don't see how you can apply what I hate about those movies to this. I don't, I just don't get it. But then again, people probably say the same thing about tree of life. So what do I know? Uh, go see this movie. Uh, 
I'm, I, I'm going to go see it again. I, I'm dreaming of the moment when I can get to see it again. I've got to move my entire life around to do it. I'm going to do it because this movie is that worth it. It's just that amazing. Absolutely. All right. Let's move on to some more weirdness, but on a different level. Our undisputed classic is Brewster McCloud. This turns out to be a weirdly perfect choice, doesn't it? <laughs> I know. No kidding. Brewster McCloud. I had no idea. I thought this was like a detective movie or something based off of the title. <laughs> McCloud. I thought we were getting a 70s James Garner movie or some shit. <laughs> that is not what this is. <laughs> Uh, this is directed by Robert Altman. Uh, his follow-up to to uh, Mash uh, stars Bud Court as a, a young man who's trying to learn how to fly like a bird. Uh, <laughs> that's that's the premise. Also, he's partnered with a woman who may or may not be a serial killer. Which one of them is the serial killer? One of them is a serial killer. Either him or Sally Kellerman <laughs> are, 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 kill- are definitely killing people. People are ending up dead. Um, and covered in bird shit uh, every, every single time. From the same bird. <laughs> From the same bird. <laughs> Sally Kellerman has the bird, so I imagine it must be her that's killing people, but it's hard <laughs> to say for sure. And it's really not the point. The The point here is this exercise in weirdness where he, this Robert Altman has come up with this very bizarre premise and keeps spinning it out into these very, very funny, strange scenes that uh, are are just completely outlandish and yet so <laughs> so very clever and and very very smart in many ways uh i laughed a lot at this movie i was damn confused but i was just deeply entertained Rene Aubergenois uh, opens the movie as this uh, ornithologist character who is himself slowly morphing into a bird for some reason as he gives us these many, many bird facts that uh, play like a Greek chorus to everything else that's happening in the movie. Uh, You've got a group of cops who are searching for the serial killer who lives at the Astrodome for some reason. It's just it's, the, the, the the strange choices and that the movie treats all of these strange choices as if they're perfectly normal here. I don't know why you think this is so strange. This is perfectly This is perfectly normal <laughs> in the eyes of the movie, in the universe in which Robert Altman lives. This movie is in his mind is just makes complete sense. <laughs> yeah, I love I love that attitude. I, I, yeah, I love the attitude and I. And there are movies of his I don't like as much, where he has a similar approach. Where I just I don't it just kind of seems like it's all over the place and a lot of things are happening. Here it's entertaining enough that it uh, makes it easy to watch. I couldn't tell you what's happening or what the point is, uh, but which makes me like everything <laughs> everywhere all at the same time that much more because they do this and have it all tied properly, like it all plays out to the in, in a proper point uh mm-hmm. and i think that's just impressive as hell you know <laughs> not a lot of people can pull that off and mm-hmm. uh i mean it even like yeah i just and this uh made for i watched this is the first movie i watched for the week for the episode and i again i enjoyed it it was funny it was weird just the way it ends it's just kind of like <laughs> <laughs> it's funny uh <laughs> Yeah, uh, like it, it just sort of it just sort of ends right where it should. <laughs> the only way, the only possible way for this to end is how it ended. Right. Very, uh, very a serious man in that way. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not. I guess it's probably like Monty Python meets the Coen Brothers. I suppose in a way, it, it's such a weird, uh, just random. It's I don't know it, again, but it's very very entertaining. Uh, incredibly so yes i just i was really very weirdly entertained by this movie i don't and the thing about it is i love i love altman's sensibilities the way he, he expresses himself sort of uh morally and like uh politically the people he justifies having sally kellerman be this very happy serial killer this very pleasant happy serial killer by making everybody that she kills really shitty people and it's not like they're they're not like criminals they're just really shitty people you know like this just that kind of assholes whose death will probably make the world a slightly better place right. 
I mean, love that's, <laughs> that's just this commentary like it's okay that she's doing this these people suck <laughs> yeah like when they're they're going to that cop's funeral and they're expressing their condolences and he's like why he's an asshole <laughs> he's a terrible cop <laughs> Yeah, he was on vacation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just such a his his smiling wife at the funeral. (laughs) I just (laughs) the shots of her. She never gets a line in the movie, but the cop's wife doesn't really get a line in the movie. But she every but after he dies, you can just see her just trying to hold back a smile. (laughs) Such a great touch. Yeah. uh... And I get—I don't want to call it for everybody, but if the type of person that would watch this show or listen to this show, I think you'd like this movie. It's worth checking out. Uh, yeah, and you know, it was a good bookend of the show. I think <laughs> you know, the player is the perfect movie that, that explains the movies we hate. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? It, it no, it does. It is savage in that way. They would—he's lo- the kind of guy who would make ambulance. <laughs> Right, and that's where we started the show. This is a, a, I love this movie so much, but it also is probably I mean, it, it's probably not the reason, but it's definitely a kernelist in the back of my mind after I've seen this years ago. Whenever there's a movie, I just can't. It just feels so put together by committee, you know. You know that, and I, it just makes me hate those more than something that sucks. But at least they tried. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, but this is fantastic. Go ahead. The player turns thirty this week. Uh, another movie again directed by Robert Altman, and a a savage satire of, of Hollywood and the way that they do business. But also, you know, kind of the, it's just such a nasty movie in so many ways, and so smartly nasty. Uh, Tim Robbins plays a uh, movie executive who thinks he might be on the way out and he's kind of making moves here and there. He's also being stalked by somebody who keeps sending him these uh, angry notes uh, telling him that he's going to kill him. He's trying to figure out who it is. So it's kind of a kind of a, a noir aspect to it. Uh, he start. he finds the guy, he kills the guy <laughs> and then the movie kind of, that's not even the, like the worst thing to happen. <laughs> the thing about it is, is that this movie the ending of this movie justifies everything that came before it by being just the nastiest ending imaginable in the happiest fucking ending possible. So good. Such a great ending. It's the, it's the perfect ending and it is, it looks so beautiful and it is. And then you're real that it dawns on you just how awful, just how awful he is. And everything that happened was and like oh my god and this happens at the end i love it i love this movie it's incredible yeah and it, it just you know to go back to last week makes you hate the bubble that much more you know a movie mm, that yes. just doesn't know it it just doesn't know how to be a satire of its own of hollywood this movie it, i don't know it it's just so smart it doesn't pull back punches it it's not mad for the sake of being mad it's mad for a purpose and it uh and then you get people who are involved in these movies that suck in this movie making fun of their movies that suck. It, it's and i don't even know if they knew they were doing it because it's robert altman <laughs> yeah uh i just I, this i can't this is a must see for any uh especially if you're like an up-and-coming movie fan this is mm-hmm a really important movie to see, I think, to help you kind of understand movies. Uh, just so fantastic. This The structure, the clever ways that he just builds this this story, you know, creating this murder mystery aspect. Then he's got the, you know, this uh, romance between two people who definitely shouldn't be having a romance, but they do. And uh, Greta Scacchi, she is so gorgeous and so brilliant in this movie. Uh, and just adore her. Then you get uh, Cynthia Stevenson is fantastic. Um, Peter Gallagher is this vapid executive who's just failing his way upwards. And <laughs> is of course, because of course he is. He's handsome and he's just 
place he goes places where he needs to be at when he needs to be there and people see him and because they saw him there they assume he's you know a genius and they keep bumping him up uh that's that even that is even text in the movie they don't even put that in the text you just you just come to understand that that's what's happening with this guy on on top of which you know just the tim robbins character is just literally a moral guy who's kind of He's kind of like a noir villain in many ways. And this is not necessarily it's almost a Bogart like role in a way, which when you really drill down on it, he's a guy who's done something bad that he's trying to hide. There's an element of the telltale heart, you know, Edgar Allan Poe going on because he knows what he did. He thinks somebody else knows what he did. He's trying to cover up what he's did. On top of that, he's trying to save his job. And then he's having this romance going on. Uh, in that way, he's kind of created this sort of noir while also creating this savage Hollywood satire that's incredibly funny. The scene in the police department with uh, Lyle Lovett, Whoopi Goldberg, and Tim Robbins is just epically brilliant. It is so, it is so good. <laughs> Not a beat of that goes wrong. Whoopi Goldberg is actually the reason why they got to make this. She was the biggest star at the time. And when they said that we've got Whoopi in the movie, they're like, okay, green light, go ahead. <laughs> and she absolutely kills her performance. She's great. Yeah. I, I, it's unbelievable. I just... It is on HBO Max now. If you have HBO, go watch it. I'm not kidding. This is a must-see for movie fans if you haven't seen it already. Because it, not like it's the best movie of all time, but it definitely, I don't know. It, at least it, it 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 spoke to me a lot and it taught me a lot about movies. And uh, I just, I it's it also fuels a lot of my anger when it comes to bad movies and my and that's not like real anger. It's just like when right. a movie sucks it's just i don't like wasting time and this guy i mean he's a sociopath he's everything about him is wasting my time and when the movies he makes you need more of your time than mine <laughs> <laughs> this movie is still is still shockingly relevant when you think about it too because the opening scene is him hearing a pitch for the graduate 2 <laughs> Right, <laughs> graduate too, and it just to have uh, Buck Henry there doing the pitch of the graduate too is still a relevant joke today. <laughs> yep, it's a well-known IP. <laughs> Bring back the stars that people recognize. Here's a shitty story to go with it. Yeah, I love it so much. <laughs> Yeah, filling up is a great way to put, I mean, all these characters, really. You just have to have no heart. I don't know, just so smart, so well done. Uh, I can't believe he made it. (laughs) Just be the most heartless, arrogant bastard on the planet, and you get to move forward. And that's kind of, really, that's kind of how Altman sees the world and how why he hated the world so much, is just the shitty people just keeping to keep winning just by being as shitty as possible. Right. All right. Uh, we also had the turn 30. Uh, let's see. Newsies, which we've done before. It's a classic, I think. <laughs> Did we? Uh, either that or we had a... I know we had a big argument over what Christian Bale's top three movies were, and I thought Newsies was, <laughs> in terms of popularity, what people liked. Uh, oh, yeah. That I remember. Uh, what else? Turn 30. Fern Gully <laughs> and Sleepwalkers. Sleepwalker is one of the worst movies ever made. Stephen King adaptation uh, about a guy who turns into a panther or some shit. I'm not sure exactly what he did. Cat? Is he a cat? I don't remember. It was it was so bad uh, that it's just unwatchable. It had like it had like special effects that would look bad in the 70s in '92. Like <laughs> that's hilarious. And it comes out the week of the player, too, on top of that. Which, <laughs> uh, it's this movie meets this movie. Right. <laughs> All right. Next week, we've got Father Stew, Fantastic Beats, The Secrets of Dumbledore, Room 203, and then we're all going to the World's Fair, which you said we should all try to see if we can. Absolutely. Uh, that should be out Friday to, to rent 
on Amazon or iTunes, wherever you watch your movies. We don't have a classic yet. We'll see what Flickchart does to us. And then in 1992, we got The Babe, Brain Donor, City of Joy, Deep Cover, and Boris and Natasha, the movie. Mm. I don't know if any of those uh, do anything for you, but not me. <laughs> All right. Let's go play some Flickchart. Spotlight or Eagle Eye? Spotlight. Yeah, it was pretty easy. Lady Bird or Airport 77? Ladybird. Never actually seen Airport 77, but Ladybird's awesome. Hmm. Another round? or I've not actually seen either of those movies. I wanted to. I meant to see both of them, and I just didn't. Gosford Park or Copland? Gosford Park. They heard us talking about Altman. And, uh, <laughs> I know it's a better movie. Yeah, I'll just go with you. I can't just keep defending movies that I... That weren't good a night in camelot never seen it uh, i can't i can't even imagine boogie nights goodfellas goodfellas but i love boogie nights yeah milk holes milk yes mad max fury road paranormal activity mad max agreed dunkirk private parts private parts Oh, wow. I thought we are going to have to flip for that one. <laughs> uh, U571 Arachnophobia. U571. I could care less. Limitless Heat. I don't, I don't like either one. So I get to pick. You want to pick Heat? Go ahead. Heat. Three Days of the Condor, Barton Fink. Barton Fink. Gravity High Fidelity. High Fidelity. I really like gravity though. That's hard. And yeah, there's enough of us. I'll go with you. Hannah, the Adams family. Hannah. Annihilation, Boogie Nights. Annihilation. Yeah, I agree. Rough night for Boogie Nights. <laughs> no kidding. It's running up against the real <laughs> contenders. <laughs> Encanto, that thing you do. Oh, I know it'll be controversial, but it's it's that thing you do. I agree. The French Connection SWAT. Only because it's SWAT, I'll take French Connection. I don't love French Connection, as I think we've discussed. Yeah. A Few Good Men, School of Rock. School of Rock. Yeah. Get Out, 71 Fragments of a... Okay. (laughs) Sean shaking his head. Get Out or Die Hard 2? Get Out. Absolutely. Buy a lot. Can't wait for Nope. I know that trailer is fantastic. That's amazing. <laughs> that is such a fantastic title on top of I that. know, right? <laughs> Kiss, it's exactly what you'd say in this moment. Yep. <laughs> Kiss the girls, swingers. Swingers. Yeah, I love swingers. Sex in the City, Gone with the Wind. <laughs> Sex in the City, Jesus Christ. Both fucking garbage movies. Well, you answered it pretty quick. Uh, El Mariachi role model. I, I, Sex in the City is only slightly less racist. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's all white characters. <laughs> El Mariachi or role models? I love El Mariachi, but I would watch role models right now if you asked me to. I agree. I think role models is way too fun. Funniest uh, energy drink joke in history. <laughs> And uh, as much as Kiss is overused, the way they use it in that movie, I love. Yeah. Uh, Face Off, John Wick, cap- Chapter 2. John Wick, Chapter 2. I am kind of bummed that Nicolas Cage is doing like real press now. Have <laughs> you seen <laughs> some of the things he's been doing lately? Like No. The, you know how they have the celebrities that go on and do the Google questions and they answer? Yeah. Uh, he's doing stuff like that and... Uh, Demystifying the cage legend. Yeah, he seems more normal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hopefully, the movie will uh, will blow that up again. (laughs) Right. The color of money. The last Boy Scout. Color of money. Yeah. Apocalypse Now. Star Trek Nemesis. Apocalypse Now. 
Hidalgo, Christopher Columbus Jr. No, sorry. Hidalgo, Little Rascals. I don't know why I didn't just <laughs> fuck <laughs> both of them. 13 going on 30. Is this Doctor Who a movie or? No, it's a TV show. 13 going Very on good TV show. 30 Anchorman. Which way are you going? I mean, I'm Anchorman, but 13 going on 30 is really, really good. And I, I love 13 I going on 30. I would be heartbroken if you went that way. Let's flip the coin. Let's be kind to 13 going on 30. Because it's not, it's not fair that I'm, you know, just happen to be, what is, okay, I mean, Heads, tails, okay. In fairness, the first time I flipped it, Anchorman would have won. This time it is 13 going on 30 wins. Fair enough. Uh, Crimson Tide, Moonraker. Crimson Tide. Yes. Friday the 13th, the remake, Father of the Bride, Part 2. Absolute garbage movies. Father of the Bride. I don't know that I've seen either one of them. The remake's garbage. Not even fun. No. That's a shame. There's only one Friday the 13th. Yeah. Pet Cemetery, The Rock. The Rock. I hate Pet Cemetery, and I hate that people like that movie. All right. Gone Girl, Ghost. Uh, Yeah, Gone Girl. Seven in Bruges. That is tough. That's tough. It's seven. But in Bruges is fucking great. Yeah. It's yeah, I hate that it like seven's the obvious one, but in Bruges is like quietly awesome. <laughs> and it always mm-hmm. gets overlooked. Michael Clayton, Matchstick Men. Michael Clayton. Agreed. Suicide Squad Sleepers. Sleepers. Uh oh. I think I just chose Shaft or something. I don't know what it was. <laughs> Dr. Doolittle 2 or the Mothman Prophecies? The Mothman Prophecies. I'm going to flip a coin. I hate that movie. <laughs> you, could, you could actually. You can defend voting for Dr. Doolittle 2. No, I hate the Mothman Prophecies so much. It's more than anything I hate. When it came out, there was enough people close to me that just thought it was the best thing ever and how it's, real it's, it was and it's not and it it's not a good off. movie but isn't it's better than fucking poop joke two hour poop jokes i know but there's nobody <laughs> saying those are awesome <laughs> <laughs> i'm voting against the audience maybe that's not fair <laughs> and he won anyway mothman <laughs> The Natural, All About the Benjamins. The Natural. I fucking hate The Natural, too. Uh, all About the Benjamins is not is not a good movie. I know. Actually, I haven't seen it. I'll let you have it. But The Natural is so overrated, it's not even funny. Limitless, Man of the West. I've not seen Man of the West. Limitless, Brightburn. Limitless. The universe just wants me to vote for Limitless for some reason. Yeah. The Road, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Sorry, Josh. <laughs> Apocalypto Psycho. I was just rereading because I've got the. I've been working on my blog with all my old stuff in it, and uh, I, I was rereading my review of The Road and just how miserable it is. <laughs> and the, you know, the the amount of talent it takes to make a movie and craft a movie so so good that it, it literally embodies the feeling of being completely miserable. How do you recommend that or or just want to watch that? I don't know. It's never it's not a mindset that I could ever understand. And I can't explain it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I have been enjoying you going back in movies you've trashed on here, actually reading your positive reviews. It's <laughs> been making me happy. Uh, specifically The Ring, and then Santa Claus 2 was just funny. <laughs> I really loved Santa Claus 2 20 years ago for some reason. Uh, speaking of two movies I don't remember at all, Spawn or Legend? Uh, Spawn, I guess, maybe. <laughs> 
recency bias. <laughs> 97 versus 85. Yeah. Seemingly. Uh, driver the Hangover. That's tough. Those are two very different, very good movies. Um, I would watch The Hangover right now and Drive takes a little bit of <laughs> effort to want to watch it, even though it's brilliant. So I'll go with The Hangover. You went with The Hangover? I'll flip yeah. it for fun. Uh, I mean, they're equal in that, you know. Yeah, in many for, respects. The art movie beat the the watchable movie. Drive won the coin flip. <laughs> uh, Popeye or the Amazing Spider-Man? The Amazing Spider-Man. Flipping a lot today. <laughs> Pop- Popeye is just the, the Altman that just doesn't quite work. Did he do Popeye? Yeah, that's oh. Robert Altman. Nice. Well, it won the coin toss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Transformers, Dark of the Moon, The Irishman, The Four Hour Irishman. It's <laughs> still better than Transformers. Yeah. Jason X, Jack. Jason X. I would like to combine those movies if I could. <laughs> shoot Jack into space and have him killed by Jason that'd be the perfect movie <laughs> I haven't seen either one of these movies Elephant or Andersonville Elephant yeah that's a, that's a school shooting movie by uh, um, Gus, oh God, Van what is it? Gus Van Zandt yeah is it good or is it it is it is powerful it is yeah huh. Beverly Hills Ninja Man on the Moon Man on the Moon. Nice. When I said that uh, Robotnik and, and Sonic is the best performance of Jim Carrey's career since the 90s, that's the movie I'm referring to. Yeah, I can't think of anything since then that, that I've seen that was even close to that. Night of the Living Dead, 68, A View to Kill. It's Night of the Living Dead by a lot. Yeah, Sherlock Holmes, 2010, Vertical Limit. Sherlock Holmes. Vertical Limit is so dumb. So dumb. Well, nothing with jumping out as a classic like we were hoping. <laughs> Anchorman or The World of Apu? Not so, I'm not seeing it. I know I should. I haven't. Anchorman, The Ugly Truth. Oh, it's Anchorman by a lot. The Ugly Truth is a terrible film. <laughs> Are you sure? Uh, the Manchurian Candidate, 2004, or Z? Z. What is Z? Z is... Uh, political film from the late 1960s um i'm struggling to recall the exact premise it's a great movie we should watch that for the classic that's the classic then <laughs> if we can if it's available if z is available that is a classic dick tracy ghostwriter <laughs> <laughs>